You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Calvinism emphasizes divine sovereignty and free grace. Arminianism emphasizes human responsibility. Did you hear that? The one restricts the saving grace to the elect. The other extends it to all men on the condition of faith. Both are right in what they assert. Both are wrong in what they deny. If one important truth is pressed to the exclusion of another truth of equal importance, it becomes an error and loses its hold upon the conscience. In today's message, Pastor Danny will talk about the different theologies that various denominations hold and what they emphasize and how you can be wise when navigating it all. He'll share specifically about the views of Calvinism and Arminianism, describing what they get right as well as what they get wrong. In it all, Pastor Danny will point back to the Bible, encouraging you to seek truth for yourself. You can know and hold on to the love and grace that Jesus is offering to you right now. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. Now I know people that prayed a prayer 18 years ago and there's no evidence in those 18 years overall that they really know the Lord, but they believe, hey, I prayed that prayer and I once saved, always saved, and I'm headed there. Well, don't come counseling with me. Jacobus James Arminius was a Dutch theologian who lived from 1560 to 1609. He taught that man is not guilty for Adam's sin, but only when he chooses himself to sin voluntarily. Believe it or not, James Arminius started out as a strict Calvinist. I didn't know that. But later he changed his views. He expressed those views in a document called the Remonstrance. A remonstrance is an expression of opposition or protest, and the remonstrance was a protest against the Calvinistic doctrine of predestination. The document was condemned as heresy by the Reformed churches at the Synod of Dort, 1618-1619. There were five articles in the remonstrance, just like five articles in Calvinism. I had never read the five articles in the remonstrance until this past Friday. Um, and I'm not going to read them all, but one in Article 2 struck out uh, to me, stuck out, that agreeably thereunto, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, died for all men and for every man, so that he has obtained for them all, by his death on the cross, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Yet, that no one actually enjoys this forgiveness of sins except the believer. But the point is, Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for all men. Two other main points in the document are election based on God's foreknowledge, that God didn't elect some to heaven and some to hell, you know, and the ones going to hell never had a chance, but based on God's foreknowledge, he knew who would say yes, and he knew who would say no, which I think is what the Bible teaches. And then the other is conditional perseverance. Man can choose to reject God and therefore lose his salvation. Now, if someone believes they can lose their salvation, Hebrews says if they've once been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, tasted of the goodness of the Word of God, all those kind of things, they can't be renewed. So if, if you believe you can lose it, uh, according to that scripture, you can't get it back. You can't be saved and lost and saved again and lost again and saved again. You say, well, what does this church believe? Now we're getting to it, aren't we? Now you can decide, is this the church for me? Well, 
Arminianism is the basis for doctrine in most Methodist, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Pentecostal, Free Will Baptist, Holiness, and some charismatic churches. Now, there's a point to all this. I'm not just talking theology just to talk theology. This little booklet, Calvary Chapel, not our Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel uh, put out, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. We have them in the bookstore, just a little easy to read booklet. I want to read you a couple of things, though, just uh, for, well, FYI. In here, they uh, quote a guy, Philip Schaff, uh, in a thing he did called the History of the Christian Church. Listen carefully. You've got to be alert today. You've got to listen. Calvinism emphasizes divine sovereignty and free grace. Arminianism emphasizes human responsibility. Did you hear that? The one restricts the saving grace to the elect. The other extends it to all men on the condition of faith. Both are right in what they assert. Both are wrong in what they deny. If one important truth is pressed to the exclusion of another truth of equal importance, it becomes an error and loses its hold upon the conscience. The Bible gives us a theology which is more human than Calvinism and more divine than Arminianism and more Christian than either of them. Now, I personally say amen to that. Now, let me read you, let me read you here. These things can never be intellectually reconciled because God is simply too big for us to understand. Both systems of theology emphasize one set of scriptures while either ignoring or drastically twisting and explaining away others. That's why Calvary Chapel is a movement, and I'm not saying this to pat Calvary Chapel on the back. Don't take it that way. That's not the way I mean it. But Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith and the movement has chosen that we are not Calvinist. But we are not Arminianist. We are not either in the strict teaching of either of those. We want to be Biblicist. And there are verses on both sides. Now, now let me give you the emphasis of Scripture. Here's the emphasis of Scripture. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. The emphasis is not on, do I have it unconditionally, no matter what my lifestyle is like, and I'll never lose it. And the emphasis is not, oh, I wonder if I lost my salvation today, this week, this month, last year. No. No. The emphasis is, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Listen, by this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you believed in vain. John 15, 4, here's what Jesus said. Just listen to it. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the, ooh, he said it, the fire. He said it, I didn't say it. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Chapter 6, same book, 1 Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. That's what it says. That doesn't give me comfort to say I can just do what I want and, and believe something that's not a part of what's been passed on to the apostles. 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, 
Verse 18, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And he goes on to say, make sure this anointing remains in you. Folks, it's divine work and human responsibility. I'm not saying we're saved by what we do. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely unbiblical. We're saved by grace through faith. Another vital issue in the text is the perseverance and truth and godliness in a very ungodly culture. And I could talk a lot about that, but I just want to state it. It's, it's there because it talks about uh, Noah. It talks about Lot. Uh, the idea is the contrast between the ungodly who were ultimately judged and the godly who were the minority, the minority. And we're living in a day. We're living in a day. We're in a, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge to continue to stand for uh, the whole truth of the Word of God and the, the fate that was once delivered to the saints. And I'm going to talk about that and give you some practical examples of why uh, that's true. Perseverance. Truth and godliness in a very ungodly culture. But here's one of the main things in the text, and we want to spend a little time on it, and that is the certainty of future judgment. Gives the example of the flood. Gives the example of the Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of what will happen to the ungodly. When we get to chapter 3 of Second Peter, the flood will be mentioned again. Uh, and he will tell us, God will tell us through the pen of Peter that some people deliberately forget about the judgment in the flood. And in forgetting that, they forget that this present uh, world is reserved for fire. There's going to be another universal judgment. And it ought to cause us to sober up and live in light of that, the future judgment. Uh, Jude verse 7 says the same thing, that Sodom and Gomorrah were examples of, of what will happen to the ungodly. But here's the deal. Here's where we live. The latest I can find of Barna, uh, the Barna and the associates with them, they do a lot of polls among Christians and non-Christians. And the Barna associates uh, say that only 31% see hell as a place of physical torment where people may be sent. Only 31%. And it's reducing. It's getting lower, not higher. Um. One person said you can traverse the entire United States on any given Sunday morning and you very probably will not hear a sermon on the judgment of God or eternal punishment. One uh, theologian said evangelicals have voted by the silence of their voices that they either do not believe in the doctrine of hell or else no longer have the courage and conviction to stand and say anything about it. Life will be difficult, it's inevitable, and part of being a resident of this fallen world. The question then becomes, how do you handle unexpected trials? Through this study in the book of 1 Peter, Pastor Danny has been encouraging you to take your troubles to your Savior. He cares for you and is the strength and comfort that you crave. Are you facing an unexpected or frustrating situation today? Can we pray for you? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we're honored to do that for you. Send us an email at info at ccfstepete.church. Would you pray for us here at The Living Word, too? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first, and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? 
Thanks for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. We gather on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. And your presence would be such a blessing to us. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to hear another message from Scripture right here on The Living Word.